Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, welcome back to Eco Chic. My name is Laura Diaz. It's great to have you here today. We are hanging out today with my friend Jessica Clifton. Jess is here to talk to us all about outdoor recreation. We're talking about national parks, public lands, getting outside more. Jess is a content creator in the sustainable living space, in the conscious consumerism space, and she is also just an outdoor enthusiast, so she has recently started hosting eco-retreats. She began hosting them last year, and then she's going to be talking about this year's eco-retreats on today's episode. Jess was really inspired to start hosting these eco-retreats to get a small group out into national parks, learning to not only connect with themselves, connect with others, but also connect with nature. So I love, love, love learning about these eco-retreats. I actually talk to her about them all the time because I'm obsessed with the idea. I think it's a really great way to get people involved in nature and get people outside, especially if you haven't traditionally been exposed to those national parks or public land spaces. These are truly some of my favorite topics to learn about, to talk about, and I was so thankful to have the opportunity to just like chat with Jess about all of our favorite things. I think you'll really enjoy this episode. It was a lot of fun and we could have gone on for hours and hours. So I look forward to hearing your thoughts. I also want to share, Jess is hosting one of her eco-retreats this summer to Zion National Park in Utah, and she still has some spots available for that trip. So I will have in the show notes links for you to look into the trip a little bit more, sign up. And two fun announcements from me that kind of go together. EcoChic is launching a newsletter. It will be a bi-weekly newsletter full of, of course, podcast recaps, but sustainable living tips, recommendations, and community spotlights. So my very favorite part about hosting a podcast is the people aspect of it. I love connecting with people. I love the way that this feels like a community. Community spotlights are going to be featured on the newsletter as well as on the EcoChic social media pages. And I feel like this is going to be a really fun way for us to get to know each other, to learn about different initiatives that we're participating in, different little sustainable tips that we're implementing into our lifestyles. I want to get to know you and I want you guys to get to know each other. So I will have in the show notes a link for signing up for the newsletter, and then I'll also have a link for a form that you can fill out if you'd like to be highlighted on a community spotlight. Let's get into today's chatty, chatty conversation with Jess Clifton, all about public lands, national parks, getting outside more. Enjoy. I think what I like so much about Moab and having both arches and canyonlands there is I feel like it's a really great introductory place for someone to get familiar with national parks because you've had a town right there. You don't necessarily have to camp if you don't want to. And even the difference between arches and canyonlands is interesting to me because arches, while there are hikes, it's very much a park that you could drive through and see a lot of and really get like a very full experience. Yeah. And then canyonlands is so vast and there are some really major hikes. So if you're interested in doing something a little bit more like high touch at a national park, you have that opportunity there too. Oh yeah. Canyonlands, you really feel you're like, hmm, I could die. I could die if I did something wrong. (laughs) You're like this little... No, but yeah. okay, that's what I always, that's so interesting that you said that because I've 
always said that about arches where I'm like, the reason why it's perfect is because you can take anybody with you because you can go on like a strenuous hike and then like destroy bar food that night. And that to me is like the perfect day. If I can have like some fried food that's terrible for me at eight o'clock after like having the most strenuous hike. So that's why I'm like arches is like chef's kiss. I feel like it's perfect for that balance of like hiking and then also having like more of a vacation experience because I feel like especially when I'm looking into national parks or like places that I want to travel to that are just like public lands in general, if it's too remote, I'm a little bit put off because as much as I enjoy being outdoors and really having those full experiences, I want the safety net of like knowing that I can drive to get water or drive to get gas or like sit down at a breakfast place if I really need a cup of coffee or something. Oh my gosh. No, I totally agree. I love to go where it's really remote, but it's definitely a lot more stressful. Like it's so much more planning. And so it feels like stressful to get out there. I had even did Big Ben. In Texas? No, I've never been. Yeah. Okay. I haven't either, but it's Houston's favorite. Like he's obsessed. And but it's one of those where you have to like pack in your water. It is like the desert of all desert. Like he said that you work three hours from the closest town. And even that one is like a podunk, like nothing is there. And I think that level of isolation would wig me out. Like being that far from anything. Like I think they got a they got a flat tire while they were there. He was there with like a couple of college friends. And they had to drive like two hours to go get it fixed. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. So I know I'll go eventually because he's obsessed. But like, that's when I'm like, okay, I love the outdoors. But like, that's a lot, you know, <laughs> that's a little. Yeah, you have great limits. Yeah, even yeah. the idea of having to plan your water for me was a really interesting experience. The few times that I've had to do it. Like even Joshua Tree does not have any potable water inside of the garden. Oh, right. So yeah, like, so while there is a town nearby, if you're in the park and need water, you're still driving another 30 or 40 minutes before you can buy it. Right. It's just so weird to have to know how to plan that. So you've never done that. You're like, I don't know how much water I'll need to consume and to wash off and to cook. Like you just don't know. And it reminds me of when me and my friends uh, went camping in college. We went to the Trano Islands off the coast of California. It's the same thing. You have to pack in your water. You have to pack in your food. And we were just like stupid college kids. And we're like, yeah, that's enough food. Like, that's plenty. And we're like, that's enough water. Luckily, we had plenty of water. But we ran out of food. And it wasn't like scary. We got, you know, we got on a boat. Like, I think maybe I'm trying to remember if we had breakfast food. I think we had breakfast that morning. And then we um, like a very light breakfast. And then couldn't eat again until like six or something. So it was like we were definitely getting hungry and like very uncomfortable. And we were like, oh, my God, all we had to do was bring extra food. And we didn't do that. And I think from that experience, it's always kind of freaked me out ever since to like have to pack that stuff. I always pack like way more than I need. Like how weird it is to run out. We were all like passing around a jar of honey and like eating honey because <laughs> it's like all we had wait that's so sad <laughs> but since 
20. It was just funny. Like we loved it. We thought it was really funny. And then we ate like three dinners in a course of like two hours. So it was like pretty iconic. But if I, you know, 26 now, not funny. I would not enjoy that. I would not be fun to be around if I was hungry and camping. Yeah, you've been there, done that. Right. I'm like, I'm too old for that now. I have, I have my uncomforts and I, I don't want to, I don't want to get there, you know? Absolutely. Were, were these experiences in college with your friends, just seeing new places, were these the first times that you were in public lands or did you grow up camping and outside? So it's a hard question to answer because I, I didn't grow up camping. But since I grew up in Arkansas and my family has a good bit of land, I definitely grew up outside all the time. Like my mom, people will literally just like joke about her being snow white. Like you'll go over and she's like trying to save like some bunnies that like she found that have been touched by another animal. So the mother neglected them or like she'll be out in the garden. This happened to my sister-in-law a couple of years ago. She was out in the garden with my mom. My mom just caught a bumblebee in midair with her fingers and she was like this is the type of bee that you can catch and they won't sting you and we're like I didn't I didn't even know you could do that why are you holding a bee right now (laughs) like you just got out of the air just like crazy stuff like that and like my grandpa was a geologist my uncle is a marine biologist so it's like I was definitely surrounded by the outdoors and was outside a lot but when I got to college, I basically, me and Houston, like, reconnected in college. We, were, we knew each other in high school, but we weren't, like, friends. And then we got to college. He, like, transferred to the school that was next to me. And he had just watched The Revenant, which, you know, is, like, the Leonardo DiCaprio movie where he goes to Montana, gets attacked by the bear. It's a movie you would think you wouldn't want to go camping. But he watched this movie and was like, hey. Like, I think we should drive to Montana this summer. I just watched this movie called The Revenant. And Leonardo gets attacked by this bear. And the cinematography is beautiful. Literally. And he was inspired. (laughs) Yes, he was like, I want to go. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? I do not understand. But um, so that was then. We had been friends for like a couple of weeks. And then we're like, okay, yeah, let's go. And then by the time we went, we were dating by then and we took a couple of friends and I was so scared to go because, yeah, you know how people feel about the wilderness. I literally felt like I was going to die. I mean, I did have anxiety at the time, which I didn't know. I almost left a note on my bed and at my parents' house. I was like, what am I dying? (laughs) This is such a far drive because it's a day and four hour drive from Arkansas. And we just took a friend's car. And we couldn't like bring anything because there was four of us in a in the tiniest jeep, and we just set off. And the only reason why we you know even did this because Houston's love for the Revenant and it was really cheap, and so we did it. It was still one of the best trips I've ever been on. Like just completely life changing. And then once we did that, we did it all the time in college. It was like our favorite thing to do it was just so funny because we had a tent that was our friend's dad's from the 90s it leaked like crazy we would and it was monsoon season when we would go in the desert oh yeah because we went to montana we went straight west first went to the grand canyon 
and like Utah first and then we went to Montana. So we'd wake up and like our pillows would be soaking wet. And again, we're just like kids. So we're like, this is funny. (laughs) I kind of love that. (laughs) That's the attitude you have to have. Oh, 100%. We just had like old sleeping bags that we found, one lantern, and we just all raided our parents' pantries and just grabbed some like cans of stuff. And we're like, okay, let's go. But so yeah, it was super affordable. And then it just became our favorite way to travel ever. So that's basically how it all happened. Like I definitely was outside a lot growing up, but then we just went camping in college because it was cheap. And then it turned out to be my favorite way to travel. Like even when I do international trips or anything like that, I'll be like, well, it's not like hiking in Glacier National Park. It's not hiking in California. It just turns out to be my favorite way to travel. Wow, I love that. And I feel like there's also something so intimate about traveling like that, like camping and really being outside. There's something very personal about it that is different from any other tourist activity. Oh, I completely agree. I think part of it has to do with like, no matter what, if you're camping and you're outside for that amount of time, there is like a, you know, a level of discomfort. And I think that type of discomfort brings camaraderie like really really fast and that is why I think it's like the best way to travel because anybody you do that with like you will have like such a fun bond and that's I think what I love most about it I love that I love that so you started I want to say like about six years ago it sounds like really visiting national parks and then that was your favorite way to travel what do you think is an entry point for someone who's not ready to go full national park vacation for their first experience outdoors? For your first experience outdoors, there's kind of two different answers I have, and it just depends on the person. For me, like if it was me, I would want my first experience to be getting in a car with my friends and driving. But that's just if you have the t- time you know because you don't even have to have a reliable car necessarily because when me and Houston got older our cars were not reliable so we started renting vehicles and we could rent for probably like five hundred dollars and then so we were able to start like driving around the country and the reason why that is so powerful if you specifically live in the United States is because land around here changes so fast That if you haven't, like if you haven't traveled around a lot in the United States, it will shock you what the United States actually looks like. Like when I was growing up, living in Arkansas, like I told you earlier, I traveled a lot to Florida. I'd been to like New York City, um, like the Carolinas. But if you think about that, all of that basically besides Florida looks exactly like Arkansas. It's like the really, really green trees, the hills, and it's beautiful and I really love it. But it's completely different than California and Colorado and Michigan and Utah and like South Texas. It's just crazy that the United States can look that different. And so I think it's one of the most inspiring things you can do is just get in the car and watch the land change. And you can do that and literally just get in hotel rooms, but go walk in some really accessible areas. Um in nature like in the united states like pinterest will make it so clear what are the easy places to go 
you know, but then if you're trying to do something where you only have a weekend, I definitely recommend like getting some friends together. I'd say like six friends and go to a local campsite and just camp. Because I think what's so fun about camping as opposed to road trips is you get out and then you realize the only thing you do when you camp is hang out. That's all there is to do. And I think like in a really hurried society, when you, and even like, even me, like when I'm going camping, I'm like hurrying to go camp. It's like, I'm finishing work. I have to get all these bins. And I'm like, oh my God, why did I tell my friends I go camping this weekend? Like, I'm so tired. And then I get there and I'm like, wait, all we're going to do is sit around this campfire and talk all night. And then I'll like read some books I've been wanting to read and listen to the birds and jump in some water. And then every time I leave, I'm like, wait, this was the best weekend ever. And so you don't have to go far to experience like really wonderful nature. It's just more like what you're looking for. But those are definitely the best entry points to me. Quick break to tell you about Caraway Cookware. Summer is upon us and I love, love, love to cook seasonally when I can And right now, summer is all about summer squash. I love to walk down to a farmer's market on a Saturday or Sunday morning and pick up some summer squash, some really beautiful local tomatoes if I can. I just want to have all of the flavors of summer in every dish that I can. Lately, I have been making this pasta dish on repeat that's like a fat pasta with a ricotta and all of the summer squash. There are so many just beautiful, juicy flavors in there. I will have to share the recipe soon. And honestly, the thing that allows me to keep making this dish, not just for myself and for my partner, but also if I'm hosting a little weeknight dinner party, is definitely my caraway cookware. Caraway cookware is non-toxic and chemical-free, so you can fill your summer with your favorite recipes without any worry. I feel like we've all thought before that having nonstick pans really just makes your life so much easier and it allows your cooking process to be so much more enjoyable. Caraway makes cookware with the convenience of nonstick without the concerns of the forever toxic chemicals, so you really are getting the best of both worlds. I'm always talking about how much I love, love, love the ease of cleaning caraway cookware because there is nothing that dampens the mood like finishing a fabulous meal and realizing that you have a bunch of pots and pans to clean up. They've got to soak, they've got to be scrubbed, and now it's like this whole long process after you just enjoyed that fabulous meal. Like that summer squash pasta dish I just mentioned, I can cook it on a weeknight and the cleanup is literally done in 15 minutes after we're done with the meal because it is just that easy to clean up with caraway. Caraway is hosting their summer refresh event from June 20th to July 15th. So for a limited time, you can get 10% off site-wide, and it really is the internet's favorite cookware for a reason. It's the perfect time to take care of all of your summer gifting. It's great for graduates, newlyweds, maybe you know someone that's moving into a new apartment with their cookware, bakeware, food storage, tea kettles to choose from. There really is something for everyone. Visit carawayhome.com eco to get 10% off during their summer refresh event. Certain exclusions apply. That's carawayhome.com eco or use code eco at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. That's a really, really good tip to think about starting locally. And even what you mentioned earlier about looking on Pinterest and being really inspired by something that you're looking at. It is really that simple to find a place to go. And when I think about camping, I have two experiences. I did not grow up camping and I did not grow up in a family that was necessarily like supportive of camping. When my mom hears this, she's she's going to yell. But <laughs> there's something about camping. There's something about camping that's both inaccessible and a little bit 
shunned in certain cultures. And so like I definitely didn't grow up with any interest of ever becoming a camper either. And to this day, so there are situations where I'm happy to camp and there are situations where I don't feel like it's worth it, which is kind of the opposite of what you were saying about like the whole point you go, you go there and hang out. And I always have a good time, but I always feel like if I am camping, it needs to be some grand experience that I wouldn't otherwise be able to have if I was not camping. And I'm recognizing listening to you now that that's a false way to think of the activity. Like camping does not have to be simply a place to sleep after an exciting hike. The point of camping is also like enjoying the experience of camping. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I think it can look a lot of different ways. And oh, what you said about it, um, feeling really inaccessible. I definitely always felt that way. I got really lucky. Um, My ex-boyfriend, his family camped a lot I had literally never been and um I just like went a couple of times with his family when I was like 18 and they just had all the stuff and it's not that I had I mean it was like always super fun but it was more like I saw it be done before I had to do it and so I knew that I only needed a couple of things and I just got really lucky his uh my boyfriend's mom got me a sleeping bag for graduation and that is the sleeping bag I use to this day and that's like I think what I had to focus on the most like when I first started is like you really don't need a lot of stuff I think that's people's other fear is it can be really gear intensive and I think gear can really stress people out and it was in college that I realized that you can rent gear from so many places and it's like it is cheap too and it's not like too expensive and I really really love that too for people who are just starting out. I still rent a lot of things when I go camping. I have a sleeping bag, but I will often rent a small tent because I don't own my own tent. Because in the past, like there's always been people with big enough tents that four or five people can sleep in the same tent and that's fine. So I will rent a single or two person tent for myself from REI, which I love because it's pretty inexpensive. It's like 30 or $40 a night for a nice backpacking tent. And it's even easier if you are at a university that has an outdoor rec center and they're mm-hmm. super inexpensive when you're in college, just trying it out. And that was the first experience I had with renting was through my college's rent, like rental mm-hmm. rec center. Gear is intimidating. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Espe- yeah, especially I want to get into backpacking right now. And oh my God, every time I look at the gear, I'm like, oh man, that is a lot. <laughs> it's interesting too, because camping and hiking and these outdoor experiences have become really expensive activities and you're literally paying to sleep outside you're literally paying to sleep on dirt like there's something a little bit ironic about how exclusive outdoor activities have become it's really weird to me it reminds me just like how far capitalism goes i think about this all the time where i'm like you're totally right find a way to exploit every single simple pleasure that we have and like while I get it like gear can make or break an experience like gear is really important but it reminds me kind of like of when I started caring more about like minimalism and stuff and I looked in my kitchen and I saw how many gadgets I had for the most random stuff and you're like oh my god I don't need like 80% of that I feel like that's how I feel about camping too it's like the more specific your gear can be, like the smaller um, like collection you can have, 
the better it is because you're spending less and it can all fit in your car. When people have like this massive collection and each like gadget, only one really specific thing, I just find it like so stressful. I'm like, this is literally like, you know, there's green capitalism and then there's literally camping capitalism. I'm like, oh my God, how is your ring like $15,000? You're in the woods. You are in the woods. You don't get it. <laughs> Wait, I feel the same way. And there's also something interesting about like the individualism that creeps into camping and gear. Because if you were going with a group of people, like we've been talking about the fun of camping is being there with your friends and like truly just hanging out. If everyone needs to bring their own little jet boil thing or stove or whatever, that completely defeats the purpose of going as a group, like sharing your resources and truly enjoying the experience together. Oh, exactly. That's what I was talking about earlier. It's like the camaraderie that makes camping so much fun. I could connect with anyone if I'm at a campsite. But yeah, it's what you just said, that if you have all of this gear that is separating you from each other, that takes away like half of the fun because you're kind of roughing it out there together. And that's like what you're supposed to be doing. I want to zoom out. Was this experience of camping and really getting to know yourself outdoors and being out there and having a great time, was this your introduction to caring about the environment or did those happen at separate times? They kind of happened at separate times. So but since my uncle was a marine biologist, I, his university that he did research at um, hosted this thing called Sea Camp every summer when I was a girl. And so when I was like six, seven, eight, I'd go and learn about like ocean conservation. I would learn about like sharks and dolphins. And then we always had this day where we talked about like the human impacts that we have on the environment. So I had a pretty good understanding of environmentalism when I was younger, but the disconnect was I was basically like, oh, so if we don't litter, like we're all fine. So I was like the biggest litter bug police there ever was. But it's like, that's really all I ever knew. But then when I was in college, I was like, okay, I'm not going to go into environmentalism for my work because I'm not a scientist. So how I'm going to connect with the environment is I'm going to do national parks all the time. So I was more using it as my advice since I wasn't going to go into the environmental field. But then that's when I got into marketing, just so random. I was like, ah, oh, this will give me a good job, whatever. And that's when I started learning about like perceived obsolescence and how terrible marketing is and how bad brands just want us to buy things just to make more for the next quarter. And I feel like that's really what got me into environmentalism, especially like talking about it online. But oh my gosh, National Parks definitely did play a big part because I feel like when you're in nature, you finally remember that we are nature. I feel like I never remember that. I never even think about that. But then when you're in nature for two days and you come out, you're like, oh yeah, my head's a lot more clear. Um, I have way more perspective on every single problem in my life. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am healed. <laughs> it always makes me feel so much better. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's because we're literally animals and we put ourselves like in concrete and sheetrock all day and separate ourselves from nature entirely when I think we genuinely need it to thrive. Oh, I love that. I mean, I love the life cycle. Like, I've always loved your story of getting into the sustainability space from a marketing perspective, because I think it's really smart 
And you were so strategic and aware. But going from that childhood understanding of like littering is the only problem to a higher consciousness takes a while for a lot of people. Some people never get there because that's all we were taught from like the corporate environmentalism space for the longest time, like especially late 90s, early 2000s. Like all you had to do was recycle and now you're fine. And now we're learning as a general public, like recycling is a little bit of a lie. So there are levels of awareness that you need to kind of bring upon yourself when it comes to being more environmentally aware. Right. I feel like I just got really lucky because I remember when I was in marketing and I took consumer behavior, we had to watch a video called Story of Stuff. I don't know if you've seen it. I think oh I have. My God. Yeah, it absolutely wrecked me. It's literally only 20 minutes long, but it basically just talks about, you know, extraction, consumption and disposal and how it's a linear cycle and how we're just extracting more and disposing more. And that's when I finally understood that it wasn't littering and it just like rocked my world entirely. So I am so thankful for my marketing degree because I don't know if I ever would have got there without him. So I'd be like, not littering, check. I'm doing great. <laughs> so interesting. So you mentioned that you grew up quite literally outdoors, but not necessarily in public lands or camping. Now have the people around you gotten to the same place that you are? Well, I feel like my mom and dad are completely the same way, but it's because they're, just, I don't know, it's so funny. They're just outside 24-7. And so that's all they ever do. So they don't feel like they need to camp because they're like, well, I wake up at 5 a.m. and then I'm outside. Oh, and I'm that. <laughs> so it's just yeah. like favorite way to do it. And they're not big travelers anymore necessarily. Um, so that's just like kind of how they get outside. But my brother and my sister-in-law are so in it. They love camping so, or like they love hiking so much, not necessarily yeah. camping. Um, my sister-in-law helps lead my retreats that I do because um, she was like, hey, if I help facilitate it, can I come? And I was like, oh, my God, absolutely. So now she comes on them with me and we all love to go hiking together. So, yeah, definitely for my brother, it's made a big difference. Me just going to national parks because basically, I don't know, Arkansas is such an interesting place. Not a lot of people travel in general. But also national parks are so far away from us. Because, you know, when you think national parks, we can all be honest. We're all talking about the West. Like everyone, like all of these parks that people want to go to, they're all in the West, whether like they're Northwest, Southwest, whatever. And that's just so far away. That is so far away for our Kansans. And I know plenty of people who haven't been on an airplane in like six years. So people are just very far removed from that. So when I did it in college, I basically came back like screaming from the mountaintops, like how much I love public lands and national parks and stuff like that. So, yeah, my uh, brother and um, my sister-in-law definitely tried it out and just love it. I appreciate that. And there's something there that's important to recognize that living on the East Coast or living in the Midwest, the national parks that you're thinking of when you think of public lands in general are in the West, like you said, and especially taking a family trip on an airplane, renting a car, doing these outdoor activities like that could easily be a trip anywhere else. So you have to be so attracted to the idea 
that you're willing to make this commitment of your time, of your finances, like of the experiences that you're going to have with your family to doing something really major like that. But switching gears a little bit. So you mentioned your sister-in-law and your retreats. I want to talk a little bit about your retreats because I'm really interested in the idea of national parks being this gateway experience for people to better understand the environment and their their impact within it. So let's talk a little bit about how your retreats came about. What inspired you to want to host these experiences? Oh my God. I love the retreats so much. So yes, I would love to talk about it. So basically after I graduated college, which was in 2019, I had been talking about the environment online and it did well enough that I was going to try it as my job. So that's what I was doing when we got into March of 2020 and started to experience lockdown. So if we fast forward to like 2021 or at the beginning of like 2022, I think I just felt so sad and so melancholy in a a lot of different ways. You know, there's a there's a way that we all felt a huge way, which is like the country felt really hostile, you know, still does. We all hadn't seen people and seen people in groups in forever. And I think there's that big arching, like, you know, overarching theme. And then there's like, for some people, and I feel like this is what we see a lot online, you know, people were like in their bread baking era and walking with their families and that's all like cute and fun. And I wish that's what I was doing. Like, I wish I could go back and like make some healthier choices. But I was like so stressed out because of the pandemic and because of politics and all this stuff. My screen time was insane because it was like the only thing that could keep my attention and not make me like have a tight chest. So I was just like racking up screen time on like TikTok, essentially, is what I was doing during quarantine. And so by the time we started getting out of this, I was like, oh, my God, I feel so discontent. I almost felt like I was in some sort of simulation. I was like, I am so disconnected from myself. I am so disconnected from people. And I feel like I don't even know what the outdoors is anymore because we had all just been inside for so long. And I don't know, everything just felt like such a big deal. I think all emotions were just so heightened in every way. So then at some point, I'm, uh, me and Houston went on a camping trip and I came back and start, you know, started feeling a lot better, just kind of putting my problems in perspective and just remembering the healing powers of nature. And then I had wanted to always do more content i don't think people have to do more than be a content creator i think being a content creator is amazing and i love uh i love creating content but i am just such um an extrovert i just love people and gain energy from people so much that i was like i want to be with people in some way in this job and i want to be outside so that is when I connected my love of camping with like my love for environmentalism. And I was like, I want to bring people together in the outdoors so that I can help them experience what nature does for me. I want them to reconnect with themselves. I want them to leave nature 
having more perspective on their life, more perspective on, on what they want. I want them to make connections with other like-minded individuals and be like, wow, I really put myself out there and it really paid off. I really loved meeting new people. And then I wanted people to connect with nature because I think what's really, really important in the sustainability movement, which I think is often left behind, is we don't protect things that we don't care about. We don't protect things that we don't love. And I'm not saying you like have to get outside, but I think it makes a massive difference if you are connecting with nature. So that was the big theme is people connecting with nature so they can leave and feel inspired to protect nature. So that is how I decided to do one of these retreats. I decided to launch one last July. I planned it with one of my team members and I launched it shaking in my boots. I was so anxious. I, I look back and I'm like, I feel like some of that is still COVID anxiety. Like I'm like, I feel like I had social anxiety even launching the retreat. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to be with individuals. I'm going to have to sell this trip to real life humans. It just felt like so stressful. I was like, no one's going to come. Everyone's going to think this is such a bad idea. But people did sign up and we went to Glacier National Park um, last August. And it was more than I ever could have imagined. It blew my expectations out of the water. I think I was just hoping so bad that nothing would go wrong and just really hoping I could give people the experience I wanted them to have when really all all I was doing was getting them outside and like nature does the rest you know so people were just having the best time there are people from all over the country we had people from the south which I did not expect we had a couple of people from Arkansas which I was really excited about and then we had people from like New York City and LA and Seattle and Salt Lake City and so it felt really cool to have these people outside and immediately people are forming the best bonds ever. Immediately there's inside jokes, at least 30 of them on like day two. We're hiking, we're laughing. It literally just felt like adult summer camp. And when people were leaving the trip, and this is what I did not expect at all. People were like, this was the best week of my life. And they were like, no trip will ever amount to this. And I was like, oh my God, I did not expect this reaction. I'm, first of all, my guys, I just got you outside. I didn't really do anything like that crazy. But it was just so insane to see the result and see how much it meant to other people. And oh my God, I just can't wait to do more because it's my favorite thing I've ever done. I, I've, I heard one quote that was like, if you ever want to be successful or something, like find something you can do that you would do for free. And that's literally how I feel about these retreats. I would like pay to do them because I love facilitating this experience for other people because it meant so much to me when I was 19. So I'm happy to give that to other people like in their 20s. Oh my gosh, that's an emotional experience for you on the receiving end and to hear all of this praise of what an incredible experience that was but I feel like that's such a testament to the power of those experiences and you're so humble in saying all I did was get these people outside when it really is 
so much more than that. There's something about the signaling. Like this is something that you could do on your own, that you can truly enjoy, that you're going to be around like-minded people that isn't always accessible. And that's a huge barrier for a lot of people. Like I'm not going to experience a public land alone or I'm not going to do it without someone who knows how to do it. And all of those things we talked about earlier, you being the connector is not just facilitating the experience, but really giving folks the space to experience something for the first time that they may not otherwise have gotten the chance to do. Yeah, and I think too, you know, when I experienced it, I was just like 19 and I don't know, naive. I was like, whatever, I'll I'll do anything. I'm 19, <laughs> you know? So I think going to into a national park as a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old, I can see how that would feel a lot more stressful. And so I love being that connector. I love being like, oh, you've never camped before. I have all the gear. All you have to do is show up. Oh, you don't know what it's like to be around bears. I have all the bear spray. I'll just teach you how to use it. You know, it's nice to be able to just give people the tools. So all they have to do is show up and have a good time because I know how stressful it feels to people to get out into nature. And I just want people to experience how wonderful it can be to be in nature for like an extended period of time. I love that. Yeah, because it's not just getting people outside. It's giving them the tools, giving them the confidence that they can be outside and they can enjoy this for an extended period of time. Right. It was so cool. Like people were leaving. One girl like, got really into backpacking like right after she left. Um, one girl was talking about hiking the PCT, which I think she was thinking of doing it before. And then she was like, oh, I just like need to go and do this. Um, and then what's crazy is people from this retreat have been hiking together this summer. Um, there were two girls who met up in Yosemite from the retreat. There were a couple of girls. I think they met up in New York, like in upstate New York. And so it's so cool to see that the bonds are still continuing. And like the inspiration for nature is still continuing. It's just the best. I love that. I love that. Was there a common barrier, I suppose, that people shared with you of why they hadn't had these experiences before? Or did you feel like people were pretty experienced and were simply looking for a group to go to Glacier with? It kind of depends. Some people were pretty experienced and then some had never gone really out into nature at all. I think honestly, how I perceived it is I think when we are in our little societies, like when we are in cities and when we are in suburbs, getting out into nature in general is just insanely difficult. It is so hard because you have to drive. You have to drive. I mean, like where I live, not necessarily right, right now, but the place I lived in the past, I would have to drive probably like a solid 45 minutes to feel like I am actually in nature. And I lived in the suburbs. Like I didn't live in New York City. I didn't live in Seattle and um, stuff like that. And I think, I don't know how media is these days. I feel like we are all so involved in just what's going on in our lives and what's going on on TV that it, nature is just kind of like, it's an option, but it's never like a priority. And I felt like that's how it felt for a lot of these girls. And then when I launched this trip, they were like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try it out. It's like the option just felt like a good enough option this time that they were going to choose it. 
And then they realized how much it meant to them to like make it a priority and get outside. I appreciate that. And from my understanding, it's not just about getting outside and doing day hikes and camping, correct? Like you do other stuff on the retreats. Yeah. So we like go paddleboarding. We had a really big volleyball tournament at our last one, which was so much fun. Um, we went whitewater rafting. And that was really fun because there was a girl who wasn't going to go at the beginning. She was very dead set on it, but it was at the end of the week. So people had encouraged her all week to like give it a give it a shot. And then she ended up going and having like the best time. And um, yeah, we like have s'mores. And we since we were in Montana for this one, we would like stargaze. We saw so many shooting stars. So there was a lot of downtime and I think the downtime ends up being just as fun or more fun than hiking because of just sharing experiences with others yeah I love that I love that because there's also this interesting kind of mental barrier for some people like you were saying someone wasn't thinking of going rafting, or perhaps someone just believes that they do not like hiking like there are other things you can do outdoors to experience these places Right. And I think that's what I really love about the way we set them up is I would say our trips are geared toward like, I would say it's like an intermediate trip. You have to be active in some way. And I'm not saying like you're running, but as long as you're walking, like if you're walking around the neighborhood, if you are doing something, then you will enjoy this trip because the hikes are a little strenuous but it's more like you'll finish and you'll be like oh my god I did that that is like so insane not like oh my god I shouldn't be here I shouldn't be here this is like way too difficult and then you get to like get that hiking in where it's like that type two fun you know where it like sucks while you're doing it and you're like wait that was great (laughs) and then you have a break from that and then you get to do all of the other stuff and I think that's what makes it like such a good itinerary Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I love that. I'm jealous. I'm je- what do you think was the biggest lesson learned for you as a facilitator, as a planner of these trips last year that you had to reconsider or like things you had to review looking forward to the trips this year? It's funny because to me, the answer is so blaringly obvious because I basically, I am just such a optimist where I was like, oh my God, I can lead a retreat. I can do that. So then I just decided to do it. And then here we all were. We were just in Montana together. Um, So it's just so funny to me that I did it in general. I was like, literally, what am I thinking? But um, just definitely gearing people up for what a national park is and what it means to be in that type of nature for that extended amount of time. Because like, you know, national parks are so unpredictable. And as long as people aren't geared up for that, it's fine. But, you know, there'll be like random storms, random um, trails will be closed down because of like wildlife activity or a mudslide. 
or something like that. So it's like you have to have backup hikes, backup itineraries, just like a lot of planning on the forefront. That way, when something goes wrong, you just know what to do. And then um, having satellite phones in the park. I didn't have satellite phones the first time. And we never had an issue, but we were getting by by like the skin of our teeth because in Glacier, there's no there's no service at all. So we made sure to buy several satellite phones. That way we're just extra, extra safe with everyone on the trip. Oh, that's a great tip. I didn't even think about satellite phones because I'm only ever thinking of like myself and the one or two immediate people near me. Right, right. And that's the thing. Parking can be so bad in parks. So if you're separated and you don't have phones, there is this time. And it's like everyone's favorite part of the trip is uh, Houston had a group. I had a group and we got separated. And he, I was supposed to stay still. And I didn't know if he knew where um, I had been dropped off. And so all we could do was just sit there and wait. And the park is so big. I didn't know how long it could be. I was like, this could be 40 minutes. This could be an hour and a half. This could, so all the girls are like having fun. They're like talking. They're like hanging out because they're just like not worried about it. And I'm just like sitting on this rock, like staring so dead into space at the road, just being like, oh my God, how long is this going to take? But it ended up being like completely fine because when we all got together, we all like screamed and cheered. We're like, yay, it wasn't a big deal, but it could <laughs> Oh, wow. Wow. And Glacier is a pretty big park. So you were saying it's a huge park. You don't know how long it's going to take you to find the other half of the group. And correct me if I'm wrong, you were there six days with the retreat group. That's a long time to be in a national park camping if you've never experienced that before or if you don't feel fully prepared. Right. No, I would definitely say it is a big leap, Especially because you have to sign up and then hang out with a bunch of strangers. And I think that is the thing that gets people the most. And I, it reminds me, when I traveled to Chile when I was 21, that was my first solo travel experience. And I was like, oh my God, who am I even going to meet on this? I'm sure I won't like a single person. Like, what is this even going to be? I was just so nervous to meet that many strangers. And I'm like some of the greatest people who I still travel with today because of how amazing they are. And like, that's just like what it feels like to sign up for a solo travel experience. You're like, I literally have no idea what's on the other side of this. I have no clue what these people are going to be like. And it's just so, it can be so bizarre. And I think that's what takes people a second to sign up. But everyone who signed up was like, oh, my God, I like this was the best experience. I do not regret this at all. I love the people I've met. And yeah, so it's like not only are you camping in a national park for six days, you're camping in a national park for six days with strangers. And I think that makes it like an extra step of like a challenge. I feel it's half the fun knowing that you're signing up alone and everyone else is also signing up alone is knowing that there is this insane sense of like, you have to bond or else. Oh my God, absolutely. It was so much fun because last year we do a Zoom before we go on the retreat. And um, so I got everybody on Zoom. We're like just going over some things. You know, I had everybody like introduce themselves, where they're from, why they signed up. And literally in the call, we have been on this call for like nine minutes. And it's what you said, like you have to bond. It's the only option. I did not see this coming. So 
We're on the Zoom. People are meeting. And then this one girl was like, I'm Emma Jane and I'm from New York and I signed up for yada, yada, yada. And she was like, oh, but also flying into Glacier and in International Airport is pretty expensive from here. So is there anybody who's like driving? And she's like asking the Zoom and this girl named Jamie's like, oh, yeah, I'm driving from Salt Lake City. And Emma Jane said, oh, can I just fly there and we can drive together? And ja- Jamie was like, yeah, sure. They drove 10 hours. <laughs> Meeting for the first time and camped on the way to Montana to then have our retreat. Is that wait? That's it's kind of insane and it's also really admirable. Like I, I both love it and think it's nuts. I absolutely love it. And there are two that still travel together. I'm like, how did this work out? Y'all didn't even know each other. It's just crazy. Wow, how perfect. Oh my God, that's such a good testament to the group that you built. I, oh my gosh, yeah, the group was insane. It was so much fun. It just makes me so excited to see the people who have signed up this year because I don't know, just like, I I guess that's like what I felt like when I went to Chile when I signed up for this, where I was like, okay, I thought like this would be a shot in the dark. But these are, when I went, I was like, these are 25 people who are willing to take a chance and go travel with a bunch of strangers. And that's how it is with the eco retreat. It's like, okay, these are people who are willing to take a chance and camp with a bunch of people they've never met. And so you're going to have some things in common and probably more than you think. Yeah, especially knowing that you're sourcing for these trips from your own followers. They already have a sense of who you are as a person. And you can assume that there is like one general type of person that is following you. Like, what is your typical audience makeup? You know what it looks like. So, you know, generally what these groups are going to look like, which I feel like is also really helpful from your planning perspective. Right. And yeah, it actually followed that demographic way more than I thought it would. Like, like the age range for the first one was like 23 to 31. For this trip, everyone who signed up was female. And yeah, mostly from big cities. Like I said, a couple of people from Arkansas. It's cute that the only people who weren't from big cities were the people from Arkansas. And I was like, represent. So happy you guys are here. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Where are you going this year? So we're going to Montana again. That one sold out really fast, which I'm so grateful for. And then we are going to Zion as well, which what is so fun to me is when we went on that trip to Montana when we were 19. Like I said, we were like, this is a really far drive, so let's just go straight west. First, let's go to the Grand Canyon. And we went to Zion National Park right after that. And Zion literally, have you been? I can't remember. You have, right? Yeah, I've been three times. I love Zion. I think I'm also, yeah, I've been like several times. And it is impossible to describe what Zion is. It is impossible to describe what it's like to be there. And when people have asked what my favorite national parks are, I have said literally for the last six years, I've always said it's a three-way tie between Glacier National Park, Zion National Park, and Channel Islands National Park. And so when I decided to do another retreat this year, I was like, well, it's got to be Zion. It's like one of my other favorites. and. Oh my God, the views are just, it is impossible to describe. It's one of the coolest places I've ever seen. It feels so otherworldly. Like it is so crazy looking. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm like you. It's like, I cannot stop going back. And that's why I'm so excited 
to take a group. Oh my God, I'm so excited for you. Yeah, there's something about Zion that's a little prehistoric almost. Like it feels like a place where dinosaurs were walking around actually this morning before you got here. Oh my God, I swear. And what's really cool too is they have a ton of history with like ancient humans. Like you can go and see some of the art like on the rocks. They have like an ancient human history museum. And it's like what you said, it just feels so prehistoric where you're like, I feel like it is not 2023 when I am here. I feel like it is still old in this weird way. It's just, oh my God, it's so, so cool. One of my other favorite things about Zion is, well, I guess I have two other favorite things. So the first one is a feeling is like, it's a place that makes you feel incredibly, incredibly small, which I think a lot of national parks do really well. Like you could just be standing at a viewpoint, not on any sort of major hike. You just drove up with your family. And it's a place that really gives you a sense of perspective of the world. Like you are very, very small. And then one of my other favorite things about Zion and the Grand Canyon does this as well. But specifically in Zion, there's uh, a lot of area of the park, of the main southern part where most people go, that you can't drive. So you have to park and get on a shuttle. Yeah. And the shuttle has an awesome overview of the park. Like if you look out to the left, if you look out to the right, this is what you'll see. And this is this hike. And it's kind of like a Disney World take on, on a national park. But it allows you to learn so much in such a short period of time if you have done no research before going there. Yes, I love it so much. It also feels, yeah, kind of what you said. It feels kind of camp for a second. You're like, is this Disney World? But it's Zion. Okay, love that. And then first off, I find driving in parks really stressful anyway. So when we're talking about that accessibility, it's so cool that you can fly into like Las Vegas, only drive three hours. The drive is not strenuous and then use a shuttle. Like that's so cool that it is that accessible of a park. But then, yeah, like how even the shuttles are teaching you about the park, whether you want to learn about it or not, like you're just on it. (laughs) So you get to learn about it. And yeah, no, I completely agree. And I do think it has some of the most iconic hikes ever. Like the hikes are wonderful. You're going to have an amazing time. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited to like hear how it goes. Yeah, I I am so excited. It's going to be such a blast. Oh my God, I'm so excited for you. I assume that you do not have any space in your itinerary seeing that you're inviting people to sign up for the trip already. But one of my other little add-ons to Zion that I love to recommend to people is Bryce Canyon National Park. That I think it's a criminally underrated national park. It's like 30 minutes from Zion and it's super small. So you could see it in like two or three hours, but it is such a funky space. So it has all of these, I'm sure you've seen photos of these big hoodoos that they look like big Cheeto puffs coming out of the ground. And again, it's a pretty small park and all of the hikes are like going down into the hoodoos and doing some switchbacks back and forth and then coming out and it's another place that's so weird that it gives you some perspective of like wow the world is so vast and I really do not know as much as I nearly believe I do oh my god okay I think you finally convinced me every single time I go to like northern Arizona slash southern Utah I am so overwhelmed because there are like I don't remember how many parks but like eight parks just like right there and you're like I literally I need to go to everything. I don't have time to go to everything. And so it's so hard to choose. But oh my God, I, I okay, every time I see like the best national parks and stuff, Bryce is always listed. 
people love Bryce so much. Like, yeah, like when people like really care about national parks, it's like I know not many people go, but I know how I've heard how good it is. And I need to stop sleeping on it. And I need to go. <laughs> yeah, you have I to see like, it at some point. You do. Yes. Okay. No, I'm I'm going to go because all the pictures, I'm like, this literally looks like Mars. Like, this doesn't look like it is on Earth. Yeah, it's weird. But what I kind of feel about Capitol Reef, I've never been to Capitol Reef. And always because it's like a little too out of the way, it's kind of more central Utah. And I've just never had time to go. Like, anytime I'm doing other national park things in Utah, I just not, never have time to go to Capitol Reef. And people have told me the same thing, that it's one of those parks that you don't necessarily prioritize going to because it's not like the Zions and the Grand Canyons right. of America. But when you go, it's so otherworldly that it's hard to really comprehend or like re-explain to people. Oh my gosh. Okay. Now, okay, I'm feeling inspired. I'm going to finally, those are the two that I haven't done in Utah. And then every time I go, I'm like, okay, but Zion, <laughs> like, I just want to come back to Zion. And then Houston has a been to Arches, which drives me crazy because I just love Arches so much. So I'm like, okay, priority number one, Houston, go to Arches. And then I'm, I'm going to be in my Bryce era. I'm going to go. Oh, I love that. I love that. We were just talking about at the, oh, at the top of this call, we were just talking about Arches. What are the other parks or public lands in general, I suppose, that are on your list of things you still want to see? Olympic National Park is number one by a lot. Like I was telling you earlier, I want to drive so bad. I Because my favorite thing about the United States is seeing the land change. Even when I do these retreats, I drive the whole way there. So when we did Montana, drove the whole way, which is, yeah, you know, like in this, in, ends up being like a two-day drive. I'll drive to Zion. And so I want to drive to Oregon so I can see the land change. Because I've been to Oregon, but I fly. But then, I don't know, I feel like it takes away some of the magic because you don't have like the grueling journey to get there. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts. But you haven't suffered enough to truly enjoy it. I'm like, dang it. I, I get there and I'm well rested. And I'm like, that's not how I'm supposed to come here. Um, but yeah, Olympic is really up there for me. I want to go to Yosemite again. I've been once, but it was such a mistake. Um, Houston just had, when he was still working at his old job, he had just like a couple of comp days. So we flew to California, um, just didn't think we were still like 22. Just I wasn't really thinking. We went to Yosemite on 4th of July weekend and talk about feeling like it's Disney World. Like there was traffic everywhere. And it was one of those things I'm like, okay, I can tell this is very beautiful. And to this day, I, I think about Yosemite all the time. I'm like, oh my God, that was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. But I need to see it with less people. So that is really up there on my list. Wait, that's so interesting. So I had a different kind of bad experience at Yosemite. I went in March of 2020, like just before the pandemic, like maybe the first week of March, seriously. And it was snowing really bad. A lot of the trails were closed. It was overcast the whole time. And I was with a group of friends. And we were all like, is this it? Like, this is the Yosemite that people are so excited about. And I was like, this is the worst national park I've ever been to. And I was so disappointed in it. And well, it turns out now I've seen all the photos of people going in the spring, all the photos of it this year with this record 
snow melt this year. It looks incredible. And I'm like pinching myself. Like, I'm like, I really need to go back and plan better. Oh my gosh. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm happy that you at least share that with me because I always feel so lame. I made the trek all of the way out there and I'm like, I don't have a real experience. Like I can't have a real opinion on it. And it like drives me insane. And then, oh my gosh, there's a park that's like really South Florida that you have to like take a boat to get to. It's like- Biscayne? Oh, the dried Portuga. Yes. Want to go so bad. Want to go so bad. I've never been- I'm- Okay, yeah. I want to, okay, apparently it's one of the best places to dive too. And I love to dive. So we want to go there and dive. Um, but that's a far drive and you need like to get the, I don't know. I haven't even looked into the logistics because I know it's a lot, but it's like up there. But okay, but what are your big ones? I'm so, I'm so intrigued. Yeah, well, I'll say Dry Tortuga is something I've always thought about because I grew up in Florida and my sister is a diver. I was a diver, but that's a story for another time. But going to Dry Tortugas is such an event because you need to get all the way down to Key West and then right. still take a boat. So I've never gone, um, but I would love to see it. And similar to you, I have now an interest in the Pacific Northwest. Like I'd love to see Olympic. I would love to see any of like the public lands in Oregon, like the northern Oregon areas. It's interesting because I have never thought about the Pacific Northwest deeply before in my life. And I don't know why, like I've, I've lived in the West, but it's never like occurred right. to me that I should be interested in seeing Oregon and Washington. And it is so, so beautiful in photos. And I would love to go. And a lot of the, there's three national parks in Washington, if I'm remembering correctly, Olympic National Park, Rainier and Cascade. They are such close driving distances from each other that it would be a really great trip. And my dream right now, so I live in Colorado. I'm extremely lucky to live in such close proximity to so much. And I always joke, I've probably made this joke with you before, that the best part of living in Denver is leading Denver. It's like you have such access to incredible, incredible stuff around you, public land and skiing. And like there's, it's just such a blessing. So I have this dream of doing a big loop where I drive from Denver to Jackson, which is only eight hours. And I've never gone to Yellowstone or Grand Teton, so I'd love to do that. Oh, my God. Well, then, of oh. course, now, like, my my favorite app is Google Maps. Because then I do this big loop where I'm like, oh, from there, it's only, like, eight hours to Calistel. And I could go to Glacier National Park. And from there, it, it's from there, it's only four hours to Banff National Park up in Canada. So I could just loop all the way around and drop off a rental car in Seattle after I see all of the Washington National Parks that I want to see realistically i i don't have the the time for that that is like a 24-hour one-way trip right and i just simply do not have the time so i'm going to be breaking it up into much smaller more manageable little trips but that's my current dream that is magic that would be sound good right absolutely but to me my favorite part to drive so far is like the like it's like utah Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, all of that is so like consistently pretty the whole way. It doesn't like it just doesn't stop being so pretty. And so when you're talking about doing like 
um like tetons and yellowstone and like going up to like montana like that whole drive is like amazing and so it's like there's amazing national parks but then it just keeps being amazing yeah but the lakes the i want to see all the little towns i want to have a little miley stewart summer like right off horse somewhere like i feel like there's just so much to do in between all of these places too my mom like two years ago she found this book for me that's like um best road trips in the united states i'll have to send you the cover of it because like you said like that google maps is your favorite app this book i just look in it all the time to see all of the possibilities because <laughs> driving the u.s is like the funnest thing ever i love that i love that and i love knowing also that you drive to all of these places from arkansas that the drive is part of the experience for you oh my god yeah it's literally the funnest part to me me and houston's big dream like pipe pipe dream i don't know when we can do it is i want to drive to alaska that is like the biggest dream but that requires so much planning that that is like i don't even know we're like next summer i don't even know probably farther than that because that is just such a big project but yeah it's like that's how much we love being in the car i'm like it is just the best way to travel in my opinion i love that do you guys just like chit chat the whole time listen to music audiobooks like what do you do that whole time basically we talk most of the time i bring question decks i have so many question decks for either me in houston or like my friends anytime i'm in the car i'll definitely have question decks we usually have um or like especially this time well no i actually think every trip We'll try and like memorize a hard song for like no reason because it's like you have all of this time. And then we kind of like make albums like the era of the trip and then we'll have them downloaded. That way we can listen to them without service. And you only download, you know, like two or three albums. So then it's like when you listen to them, you're like, oh my God, that does remind me of that trip because we listened to it so much when we didn't have service and X state for four hours type of thing so i don't know i just kind of never run out of things to do but i think it's because when i think about it when i'm hanging out with friends and stuff you're like sitting at like you're sitting on the couch or you're sitting at the bar or you're sitting at dinner to me i'm like we're just sitting in a moving car where the landscape is completely changing all the time like i could just sit and do that forever so yeah that's what we like to do it (laughs) i love that i love that well i could i'd talk to you about parks forever too I have to say, Jess, thank you so, so much for joining me for this conversation. This has been so fun. And I'm very inspired to leave this and like go play on Google Maps. Uh, That's what I want to do after this. I'll just keep planning. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, Jess, thank you so, so much again for your time today. And I am so looking forward to hearing about the outcomes of your retreats this summer. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to see how they go. And just a reminder that there are five spots left. So if anybody wants to sign up, it'll be the funnest experience. It's my like my biggest passion. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Eco Chic and today's conversation with Jess Clifton. I will have in the show notes links for you to check out Jess's trip to Zion that still has a few spots left open. And then I'll also have in the show notes links to sign up for the Eco Chic bi-weekly newsletter. And I'll have the link to the form to fill out if you'd like to be highlighted in our community spotlight feature. I'm really looking forward to both of these things. 
And I look forward to hearing your thoughts on this episode. Funny enough, when this episode comes out, I myself will be in Moab. That's what Jess and I were talking about at the top of the conversation. So I look forward to sharing lots of pictures on social media. And I look forward to sharing lots of like photos and beautiful graphics from Jess's trips to go along with this episode on social. All of my links are in the show notes. All of Jess's links will be in the show notes. And I look forward to chatting with you next week. Have a good one. Thank you.